Rebecca, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday, indeed. I'm so glad we were able to figure out time to do this. Yeah. Yay. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to interview you and get to know more about you and you know your work and everything like that. Um, so in a brief statement, uh, could you tell me what you do at your job? Was a typical day like you have one? Yeah, so I am a senior labor department reporter for Bloomberg Law. Um, so I cover anything going on at the labor department, anything really to do with the laws that the labor department enforces. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting time thinking about, um, you know, how people are demanding higher wages. You know, this is the agency that is in charge of policing, you know, minimum wage laws, um, family, you know, there are some, some family medical leave requirements. It's not paid, um, but ensuring that, you know, people are able to um, have job protected leave, especially, you know, coming out of this pandemic and thinking about how things mm-hmm. have changed. Um, the beat's really, really interesting right now. Um, before that, I was at Politico for three and a half years, also covering labor. And before that, I, uh, you know, kind of got my way into covering workers by writing about the worker safety um, agency, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. So um, there's lots of ways to kind of wiggle yourself into a certain subject matter area. But um, talking about a day in the life, um, I usually wake up you know, um, I, I watch some of the morning shows trying to get a, an idea of what is going on in the world because the news of the big news of the day can sometimes shape what you're looking for on your beat each day. So it's always mm-hmm. important to kind of check in on what's going on and, and what's in the mind of, you know, people inside the Beltway um, that morning. And then I usually check over the Federal Register, which is um, kind of like this publication of all of the regulations that the federal government is issuing that day, even like things like if there were, there's a lot of times it's just information requests, whenever the the government takes a form from you, if there's a form you have to fill out, um, the government has to usually go through public comment on that form. It's very interesting. Um, So I check like a couple, you know, a couple websites that are tracking regulations. I try and keep an eye on what's going on in the Hill. Um, and then otherwise, there's, you know, kind of lots of different beat meetings that will sometimes happen different on different days, depending on what day it is. I'll check in with my editors, you know, pitch stories for the week. And then the rest of the day is really kind of, you know, morphed around, you know, whatever story I'm working on that day. Um, it'll be sometimes, you know, a lot of, you know, going and getting coffees. Um, more so now that we're sort of coming out of the pandemic, we're finally starting to see some of these more in-person events, which are great because you can finally see your sources in person. They know who they are or they know who you are. So they can no longer like just ignore your email as easily. Um, (laughs) You can also kind of um, put them on the spot, you know, when it comes to certain things, if you're not able to get access to them through the normal channels like email and phone. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of a day in the life. You know, you can really kind of, um, how busy your day is, is up to you, really, uh, a lot of times, depending on the news day. Um, I am, you know, guilty of stacking interviews when I get really excited about a story. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to interview five people today. I'm going to, like, do this. I want to I get this over the finish line. But sometimes that can kind of, like, 
get overwhelming and then you have all these different threads coming like from different people and you can kind of get a little overwhelmed sometimes but um you know for the most part i think like the cool thing about being a journalist is really it is kind of a a self-starter kind of job you really kind of can set the the, the pace and the tone of like how your day is gonna go by you know how organized you are and what you're planning on doing like with your story and also with your beat um mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly I love that that's amazing and I love that you get so excited about your work <laughs> yeah um I am really lucky to be you know covering labor is honestly the coolest thing ever I never you know I knew I wanted to do politics when I was at Maryland mm -hmm. I didn't know like you know specifically what it would be whether it would be covering on the hill but again like the first job i got hired me like to cover the occupational safety and health administration which i had no idea what that was when i first you know got the job and it ended up being one of the biggest like most you know content like contentious agencies in the whole uh you know, COVID fight, at least when it comes to workers. Um, the Biden administration tried to mandate that private employers make sure their workers were vaccinated. And the, the fight went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the agency that actually issued that rule was the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. So me taking that job that I thought, you know, was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so wonky and boring five years ago, ended up, you know, preparing me for one of the biggest fights or the earliest fights of the Biden administration. I mean, you know, this abortion leak that just happened recently is probably going to be yeah. even bigger. So we will see what happens. I don't want to, um, you know, set the, the cart before the horse here. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, for students who are thinking about getting a job, you know, keep keep an open mind because you'd be surprised even, you know, covering something that may not seem like the sexiest thing in the first place will actually prepare you for other beats in a way that you may not realize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. I love that. Um, so going back to Herman Merrill and like Maryland, pretty much, um, what inspired to call your attention by studying journalism specifically, your interest in politics? Um, so I went, I, I really first really liked um, photography and wanted to do photojournalism. And, you know, Merrill has a really, really great broadcast journalism program but when it comes to like still photography you know I kind of came to the realization too when you look in the media now a lot of the um the photographers are, are freelance are like you know there are some publications that have staff photographers but it is it is rare um mm -hmm. you know I think something at least when I was at Merrill too was they teach you to be a one-man band and mm -hmm. you know, the way iPhones are these days they really are really great at taking good photos. I'm sorry to all photographers listening. I know you're cringing, but <laughs> it is like a lot easier than lugging around, you know, a Nikon with like a telephoto lens. Yeah. Um, so I ended up trying to do the broadcast route um, because I thought, you know, I was better at visual storytelling. I had always liked writing um, as well, but I quickly realized I did not like holding the big camera on my shoulder and, you know, trying to have to interview people. I felt like I was getting so lost in doing like the setup and major props to the students who are able to do that because it, it was just, for me, it was too much to focus on and then, you know, muster up the strength to actually like do an interview with someone 
for me, it was just too many things to juggle. So Mm -hmm. I ended up doing Capital News Service and I did the Washington Bureau. And when I was in high school, like I, I had interest in politics, but I wasn't nearly as tuned in as I should have been. Um, but, you know, and I had also done the PAGE program my senior year of high school, which is where you can kind of like act as an intern on the Maryland, um, you know, state legislature floor. You run around like and deliver uh, coffees and you know, make coffees for or uh, and like coffees for people. And it was really fun and, and, and cool to watch, you know, legislation actually happening on the ground. So when I did the Capital News Service DC Bureau, I felt like really kind of excited to be able to cover something similar, but on the national scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I was like, okay, policy is really interesting. I was also a double major in government of politics. So it seems kind of like a natural, um, you know, route for me to keep doing like um, reporting and, and, and written stuff. So after that, I also did Deb Nelson's investigative reporting class through Capital News Service. And I'd recommend too, to any of your listeners, um, the best classes that I took at Merrill, the most valuable that were most applicable to what I do now daily were Capital News Service. Take as many CNS classes as you can. You can take more than one capstone. Um, So I would absolutely recommend any classes that are just making you actually report that's the only way you're going to get better. You know, there's really great thoughtful classes at University of Maryland where they want to talk about the future of media and, you know, in, in a college and from like a educational standpoint, that makes sense. But if you're trying to train yourself to be a field journalist, take the classes that will actually, where you will actually practice because, you know, you can be an eloquent you know, smart writer, but you need the skill and the ability to write short and understand what you, the topic you are covering in a way that you can make it easy for people who are listening or Mm -hmm. reading to understand. And all of that takes just practice. It is very much a trade. um, And having those writing skills that I talk about on the side are great. That's the, that's the sprinkles on top of the cake that make it like, that makes people want to, you know, read your story or eat the cake, so to say. But you got to be able to make the cake in the first place and make it taste yeah. good. So yeah. I, I think like the real thing is practice, practice, practice. And, you know, Capital News Service is a great place to do it. And you get trained by like the best of the best. So yeah. um, that was a very long way to say um, how I got into government and politics. But um, it was basically through you know, interests that had happened throughout my life and then just following, like kind of falling into Capital News Service and being like, wow, okay, this works for me. I like this. And then, you know, elevating from there. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's amazing. And I really benefit myself from Capital News Service. Like I, yeah. I, I did the uh, social media digital bureau. Oh yeah. And yeah. So it was also very new when I joined. Yeah. Is, is that Sean? Uh, no, it's actually, it's Alex Piles. Oh, see new people. I don't even know who those people are, but yeah, <laughs> that's but Sean, amazing. And that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. I really did learn a lot like about social media and like how to use it in, you know, a journalist context. And even though I don't, you know, work in journalism anymore, I'm not a reporter, but I, I still work in marketing and PR, so I can still use all those skills. Yes. Um, 
and yeah. that, that was really beneficial for me like I, I really did love my time at the Capitol News Service yeah, yeah definitely and you know the social media skills again exactly like you say mm-hmm. you know you don't even have to some people don't even have to be um, you know, like specific journalists, they can be freelancers that write like, you know, once a month, not even be like a, a frequent beat journalist, but still have really elevated, um, you know, social media personalities just by being mm-hmm. good online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is hard because I am also of the the camp that's like, if you're not sure, don't tweet. Like, it's always better just don't tweet sometimes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're promoting work, or if you're reading something that's interesting, I think that's really good. I just always try and do my best just not to be like super philosophical online because, you know, while my opinions specifically on my beat are very important, sometimes, you know, I realize, oh, Becca, you're only 26. Maybe you shouldn't be, you know, sharing like super philosophical thoughts about life. <laughs> but anyway, don't be shy on Twitter, but still just, just be mindful. Like... Anyway. Yeah, I love that. No, I totally feel that. I think because our generation, we're very outspoken. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yes. so like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just remember, if you're being, a, if you're trying to have a professional role on Twitter, there is a really good balance because you do want to have some fun personal stuff on there because your sources will like that. Mm-hmm. They like to see that. They're like, oh my gosh, you tweeted a really funny photo of your cat. I also have a cat. Um, and like there, you you have a connection there and you can, you know, remember people that way, but also at the same time, you also don't want to get too personal because again, Twitter can be nasty. And, you know, again, the reason why I'm like, "Mm, maybe don't tweet is because not because your thoughts don't matter or your thoughts are wrong. It's because there's people out there who will probably disagree with you. And that's not a problem. It's not a problem to get people who disagree with you. I mean, that's how you really form opinion, you know, Mm -hmm. but people can be really mean. Yeah. and really nasty and there are trolls out there who will just you know elevate your twitter for the wrong reasons yeah. and so that's why i say be careful because it's such a great tool for finding sources for promoting your work finding jobs mm-hmm. um you know networking all those things but it also just you know keep your guard up a little bit um yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. no 100% agree especially in this day and age it's it's changing you know Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. very much like I was saying with, with writing, um, I think again, social media is very much a trade. It takes practice, but it is a skill that you can market like you were just saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so speaking of skills, uh, what did you gain for each time, Meryl, which kind of, you already kind of touched on this a little bit too, um, which kind of transitioned into the adult world and getting that first job after graduation? Yeah, so I think the most valuable classes and the classes that I still think about now in my work are definitely the ethics classes and the journalism law classes. And I wish, mm-hmm. um, I believe Sandy Beninsky is retiring. She just announced she's re- retiring, but I had her for my journalism law class. And I so wish I had paid better attention and kept my notes and still had access <laughs> to her slides because yes, your news organization is going to give you, you know, when, when you're going on your onboarding, they're going to give you all of these disclaimers, like, hi, don't get us sued. But having all of that in your back pocket makes you so much more confident when you're reporting and knowing like, you know, um, 
the proper terms when it comes to, you know, on the record, on backgrounds, and making sure that you clarify, hi, we're recording right now, so this is now on the record, and that sort of thing. Like, um, especially Adrienne's class, too. I took Adrienne Flynn. She, she also retired recently um, mm -hmm. for journalism ethics, and just thinking about even, you know, things like appearance of bias, you know, that, you know, goes back to the whole Twitter thing as well. Um, and, and thinking about how, um, you know, you appear outside your work life and how that can affect your in-person work life. And, you know, there's a lot of debates. This happens every election cycle. People go off on Twitter where there's like journalists who are like, I don't vote and I'm not registered to vote because I don't think I, I don't believe in it or I, you know, don't want to be partisan. And there's also, you know, this comes up too in my world because I write about labor unions, whether or not I should be vocal about the support for my union, um, the News Guild, which represents the people at my work. And I was also at Politico at a time when they were organizing a union. And it was really hard because that was my direct beat. And we had sources saying, oh, well, if you're writing about the communication workers of America, um, which you know, is uh, connected to the News Guild, which was who Politico was organizing with, mm -hmm. um, you need to clarify that in your story. And so there's, there are times where it's, you have to think about your biases and how, how things appear um, to your readers. And even if people are just trying to, you know, they obviously don't agree with, they have a beef with the union or feel one way about one thing and are obviously asking you to make these clarifications for a reason. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to give your readers all the information they need so that they can decide what's factual and, and how to process the information you're giving them. So, mm -hmm. Okay, so going back to your question, all of this, I know, sorry, I am very bad about going on tangents, but um, most valuable classes, again, I would say that that really prepared me for real life were ethics, journalism law, um, and definitely, uh, again, Capital News Service, any of um, the opportunities where you actually have to practice, um, you know, the Diamondback is a great place to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I would recommend that you know, people who are looking for opportunities to get, again, that practice like I'm talking about, there's so many internships that are out there and I know it's competitive and I know it's hard to get them initially to kind of get your foot in the door. But again, just don't turn your nose up at, at any opportunity. The worst thing that will happen is you'll realize this is not what I want to do. And that's mm -hmm. good. Do that now. Do that. This is the time to do that. Um, and once you have, you know, something on your resume, once you're, you've been in one newsroom, other newsrooms will start to, you know, it, it builds up. Um, and so, again, another thing I want to say, because I felt like when I was at journalism school, my biggest fear coming out of college was that I wasn't going to be able to get a job. Mm -hmm. And I know that the J school does such a good job of, you know, I, I feel like during our like senior colloquium at the end, they were like, okay, here's all the other things that you can also do with your journalism degree. And that's okay if you don't become a reporter. And this is not to, you know, shake on people who decided not to do journalism. Journalism is not easy. There are some days where I'm like, hmm, 
maybe it would be nice to take a different, like lower stress job. Mm -hmm. I get it. But I just want the kids to know you can do this. Like believe in yourself. You, it is not impossible to make it, especially in DC. And we are so close to DC, um, University of Maryland. It's so like the, you can take the Metro into the city. You can make it here. Um, it is possible to do if you keep trying and keep working at it. So don't think that getting, getting into the journalism world is impossible because I definitely felt like I was staring down, you know, like a Goliath when I, you know, got out of college. So, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Beautiful. Well said. Uh, <laughs> um, so speaking of all that, what career takeaways do you have thus far? I think um, this is going to sound very cheesy. I'm kind of stealing this from a popular (laughs) um, media uh, talking head, uh, Mika Brzezinski, but knowing your value. um, I, when I first started in DC, was really excited to get a job. Um, Like I was just talking about, I was like, I you know, I had, I got a fellowship. I was in a fellowship for about three months um, before I was hired full-time in a full-time reporter position. And I accepted my first job at $47,000, which is a great starting salary for anyone, you know, getting their foot in the door. But mm-hmm. you also have to think about cost of living. Mm-hmm. So what I was taking home, what I was taking home was about 1200 bucks a paycheck. Yeah, and pretty much. I, yeah. And my rent in DC was 1275 and I was in a studio and a lot of, a lot of people fresh out of college will, you know, do group homes and, and that kind of thing to get by. But I think people should remember that the lower floor that you accept, you know, like you need to get your salary floor to a point where you can actually get by and take care of your students at and all the credit cards that, you know, people rack up from college. I mean, I'm still working on my student debt here. And I think part of that for me was, again, accepting a really low salary in the beginning and not knowing to negotiate um, and not realizing what my peers and other colleagues were making. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what I'm trying to get at is part of the conversation that you should have when you're thinking about jobs and when you're doing your networking is asking about salary. It, I feel like it, it may seem like a taboo thing. Um, it may be an uncomfortable conversation, but it is becoming much more mainstream to have these conversations. And you know, this is why we see a lot of disparities still between men, women, people of color, um, you know, even LGBTQ um, people and, and their counterparts because people just don't talk and they don't know what their colleagues are making. Um, so I think it's, it's really important to kind of have that conversation, um, and, and take into account where also the job, um, is that you're taking the cost of living there, because again, $47,000 would have been great if I was living in my hometown of Salisbury, Maryland, I could probably own a house with that salary in Salisbury, Maryland, and it would be great. But in DC, that meant I had to, you know, still have a part-time bartending job on the weekends just to get by to help pay down some of those credit card bills because I'm tired of having them for so many years after college. So really important things to think about and and things to bring up in your conversations 
when you're looking for jobs or networking. Um, and don't be afraid to have that conversation. It is part of, it is kind of part of the calculus that you need to think about when taking a job. And it's really exciting when you get your first job or your second job or these opportunities. But again, don't sell yourself short. You are high skilled. Also, it is a tight labor market right now. People need to keep that in mind that, you know, you can negotiate. It's okay to ask for more. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, no, they're not going to rescind your offer. Um, so people should just, again, um, don't be afraid uh, to ask for more money. I think it's my biggest takeaway from the industry so far. Mm-hmm. I love that. And um, could you also touch on the fact that about switching jobs and like kind of going through that process? Like I did, I did switch jobs during the pandemic. And then um, I feel like it just, it's not talked about enough, especially with our generation. I love your intake. Yeah. So I was at, again, I was at Politico for three and a half years. Um, Mm -hmm. When I first started, I was originally hired to do the morning shift newsletter. um, And I eventually uh, was promoted to more of like, it it wasn't a full on promotion per se. Like there wasn't a title change, but I didn't have to do the newsletter full time. It wasn't my focus, full focus anymore. I was doing Mm -hmm. broader reporting. and, you know, Politico had offered me, you know, you know, raises. I, I okay, let's walk that back. Offered. I had asked <laughs> for raises at Politico and was, was given them. Um, sometimes they were given automatically, like, you know, in a yearly review. So I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. But I was still, um, again, going back to this conversation about money, I knew I was, you know, more than 20000 paid more than $20,000 less than some of my colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, the disparities there were, were, were and continue to be um, very bad. And mm-hmm. so I was, re, you know, I, again, colleagues had come and gone from Politico, Twitter, again, you, you meet people on your beat, you follow people who also write about things, you know, as part of, to keep track of, you know, what your competition's writing about, and also to make sure you're not missing anything. Um, and so you meet people and I heard about this opportunity at Bloomberg. They reached out to me and I was, you know, offered the job within, you know, in less than 24 hours, which was really, really exciting. Um, And then I had to go back to Politico and have this conversation with them because I was comfortable there. I was happy. I knew how to pitch. I loved my beat. Um, But again, I felt really undercompensated for what I was producing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go back to them with a, an offer that was for a, you know, a new title, senior labor reporter, and also offering me 24K more than what I was currently making. Wow. Um, So it was a. That's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. And they came back and they didn't match it. They, they went somewhere in the middle and you, when you have these conversations, yes, this is one way, again, talking about raising your salary floor to do that is to get other job offers, but I didn't get to where I wanted to. And I, and I, as much as I love Politico and I love the people that were there and the people I was working with, and again, I was comfortable and happy. It felt like it was time to go to a place that valued me and saw me as someone who was a senior reporter who had been on the beat for four and a half years Mm -hmm. and said, yes, you are worth that to Mm -hmm. us. And also go to a place where the beat's a little bit different because at Politico, I was able to cover all of labor. So think anything related to workers, as long as I could tie it back to something DC was doing. And now I'm more focused again, 
I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, more on the Department of Labor and anything that the agency is doing when it comes to like labor enforcement. So more of like mm-hmm. the worker protection side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so while the beat's a little narrower, I'm still learning like how to pitch in this space. It's, you know, I'm still covering the things I love, but I'm challenged in a new way. And it is, it is bittersweet because I do admit like Politico is a great place for, I think, young reporters to go cut their teeth. It's a family there. It's like a very great startup culture, but it can really wear you down being, having that mentality of working all the time and being a reporter 24 seven. The great thing about, I think, you know, some companies is that they're really good about that Monday to Friday, like keeping that, even though news is happening all the time, you have people on staff that are available on the weekends to pick up when you need to, so that you can rest and not get burnt out because I think burnout is a really big thing in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Something I really want to touch on my next question. Um, What advice or suggestions do you have for current students who want to be a reporter in the future who are maybe experiencing burnout now in college and maybe will be in the future or something you wish someone told you when you first started doing, you know, reporting and becoming a reporter? Totally. Um, I, when I was in college, I, you know, um, I had some support from my parents, but like I, you know, they, they covered my rent, but I, for food, for everything else, books, all the other costs that weren't covered by loans, I had to go out and have a job. So I was working 15, 20 hours a week on top of doing like a full schedule. So I totally Mm -hmm. understand what you're saying about feeling the burnout already. And you're not even like, what is all this for? Like, not even there yet. And then who knows if I'll even be able to find a job. Um, I think that was the big thing for me was like reminding myself in some of these harder service industry jobs, like you you're doing all this to get to a certain place, Um, which was even more frustrating too, when I, you know, had a reporting job and also still had to get a service industry job to help out. Um, But the thing is, I will say there, keep going. The only thing you can do is move forward. And if you are actively trying to advance yourself professionally, you know, I I understand that there's going to be lulls. There's going to be times where you're like, oh my God, I've applied to 15 jobs and I'm out of school. I just graduated. I haven't gotten anything. I'm tired of being a fellow. I'm tired of doing internships. I have a degree. Why am I not getting hired yet? keep looking at the opportunities that you can do. You have to keep trying. Sometimes the only thing that you can do, sometimes it feels like you're not moving at all. You're just kind of treading in one spot. The only way to move forward is to keep moving forward and to keep applying and Mm -hmm. to keep trying. And again, there were opportunities that I took that I wasn't super excited about. Again, when my first job was at a small trade publication called Inside Washington Publishers which I had never heard of. Most people haven't heard of. And I was writing for Inside OSHA and I, most people don't know what OSHA is, but that got my foot in the door to cover in the labor beat. And who knew that Inside Washington Publishers actually created the whole newsletter game in DC. They were sending newsletters and they were actually print out newsletters that came in the mail. And, you know, the founder of Politico saw that, um, and created Politico's whole newsletter mantra um, that they have this 
this day. And that's a huge part of their, their product line that they Mm -hmm. offer. So I think taking any opportunity that you see, again, any place that you're going to be able to write and get that, that practice, it's, it's about keep moving forward, keeping, keeping forward and keeping like your mind on what you want to do. And that's really hard when you're on your feet all day working a part-time job to try and, you know, get yourself through school or get yourself to that position. Mm -hmm. But again, like doing things like actively applying, actively networking, reaching out to to journalists online. Um, If you see a journalist you admire on Twitter or at a place where you'd like to work, DM them. It's not, no one is going to be offended if you're like, hi, I'm really interested in what you do. Come talk. I want to talk to you about it. Give me advice. How do you get your foot in the door? And who knows if you sit down and really hit it off with that journalist, most of them, you know, I know if someone asked me that I did the same thing with other reporters too, when I was trying to make it, if you, you hit off and have, you know, a, a good conversation more likely than not, they're going to be willing to put a good word in for you at whatever organization they work at. Mm -hmm. So, and also that's a really great way to practice for sourcing. Um, You know, small talk is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, Especially I think our generation has gotten really used to texting and like Snapchat and being on the phone. Like that's another thing that I had to get used to was talking in person and making face-to-face, you know, conversation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing those little things and, um, you know, reaching out to journalists or even um, editors too online um, and saying, hey, you know, I'm a student or I'm a young journalist, I'm fresh out of college and I'm interested in this and seeing if they have the time to sit down and talk with you that is a really good way to also get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. That's great advice. Um, well, that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much hey. for doing this. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that this was helpful. And again, like going back to what you're saying about burnout, it. I know the journey is not easy and it's a lot it's, it's okay. Like for me, I can look at it with rose colored glasses because I'm on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but opportunities will come again, just keep applying, keep trying. This is like another part of being a journalist is persistence. A lot of times the leads you get will end up being dead ends or the most exciting stories. You're not going to get enough sources to confirm. So you can't publish it, but you got to keep calling. You got to keep knocking on doors. You got to keep sending emails. Mm-hmm. So I, I think of it this way is as long as you're actively pushing yourself forward, like if there's a bad week where you're like, oh, I got like three denial letters, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not working out. Just take, take a moment and then go send out another application. Um, you know, if you are taking an active role in trying to promote yourself, you're at least trying to propel yourself forward. So that, that is my way for getting out of burnout is saying, Hey, at least I'm trying. I know there's like, I have a kite out there somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is hope that, you know, something could happen. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's a beautiful metaphor. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, bonus question, by the way, for you, uh, do you have like self-care, uh, kind of routine you do? Oh 
gosh, I wish I could give advice. I, I need more <laughs> self-care for myself. Um, something that I have tried recently, um, and this is actually advice for my strength. Here's another thing. It's okay to talk to someone. There's, a, you, I think you find out as you get older that a lot of people actually do um, talk to a shrink. And I kind of view it as like physical therapy for your brain mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think therapy is easy. Sometimes I come out of it and I'm like, oh my God, why did I just do that? I feel so emotionally exhausted, but it, it is really good to be able to reflect and have like a neutral third party kind of give you advice about your life. So there's one self-care thing. Don't be afraid. And I know that sometimes finding therapy can be really hard, um, especially when, you know, you may or may not have insurance. Um, if you're not still in your parents' plan or, you know, if you don't have a job, um, but don't be ashamed to talk to someone. I think that, um, that's a good way to do it. And also I've been, you know, kind of journaling again, you know, my therapist recommended that I try, you know, creative writing since, you know, I am a writer. Um, and even though I do love, you know, again, I got into journalism, photography, I did love reading and writing growing up. So mm-hmm. trying to write not for work for the first time feels very new weird, but it is also yeah. just kind of like healing to put all those thoughts kind of bumping around in your head on paper and then mm-hmm. they're there and then like no longer in your head. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I love that. It's amazing. Yes. And don't yeah. forget to go out and take a walk, especially yes. during this pandemic. That was, <laughs> you know, my biggest thing to remember is just sometimes fresh air will, will cure all sorts of things. Yes. <laughs> I've seen this thing on TikTok where it's like a taking a hot girl walk. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently got TikTok. I was like a little against it in the beginning. So I was like, no, I miss Vine. Like, I'm not going to get with what all the cool feel. kids are, but finally, so many people were sending me links to TikToks. I had to download it. it just, yeah. <laughs> it <happened>. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this, Rebecca. It was so good talking to you. Yeah. And thank you for having me and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you.